the Awkward Throat Clear Episode 13, European Edition, Bosnia, Bagan, got another episode for you all. This time I'm in Sarajevo with the doctor's house hostel manager, Edina. She is a local of the city and a true advocate for her country and city. We talk about the past, present and future of Bosnia-Herzegovina on the world stage. The tough times, identity and current issues are some topics we cover. Edina also tells me about her cats. I think this is the best podcast that I've been a part of so please check it out and share with your friends. Thank you and we'll talk to you soon. Hello everyone, and welcome to the the Awkward Throat Clear. Now here's your host, Aaron Chalupa. How's it going on After 30 Podcast listeners? This is Aaron Chalupa here. Uh, I am in Sarajevo at uh, Dr. Doctor uh, Hostel. We're about to... Pardon me? Doctor's house hostel. Doctor's house. Oh yes, no, never mind. Doctor, doctor, something else. (laughs) Um, Our yeah. internet password. Yeah, yeah. So if you ever come to Sarajevo, you got uh, you got a lock on the password. Um, I'm here with Adina, uh, hostel reception uh, aficionado, uh, expert of the city of Sarajevo. Um, say hello, Adina. Hi there. How are you? <laughs> so we've got listeners worldwide, not just Canadian. Um, so we might even have some listeners here in Bosnia and uh, Herzegovina. Um, other parts Thanks of Eastern Europe and stuff. Up the pressure. Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Um, give us a little bit of who you are, where you're from. Well, I'm a human being coming from <laughs> Sarajevo, as Aaron just mentioned. Who am I? Avid cat lover, book hoarder, and vinyl hoarder. Mm. I think those three pre- things pretty much sums me up quite well. And what are some of the prize? possessions in your book collection and uh, vinyl collection? Hmm. Well, I love all of my records, but one that I, well, which is my pretty much my favorite is the first record I ever bought, David Bowie, Heroes. Nice. I love yeah. that song. I really love that song. Yeah. In one of our um, <coughs> hockey games, we have um, different video games and stuff, and one mm. of the intros for the hockey game uh, was Heroes. It wasn't by David Bowie, sadly, but uh, it's just a great track. Really inspiring. Hits you in the heart, you know. And for books, well, I can't say it's just one book. Um, there is this old Yugoslavian publisher called Knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, their original goal was to pretty much spread knowledge and make it available to everyone. So they actually translated a number of different philosophers, psychologists, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much even got in touch with different uh, subjects in sociology. Mm-hmm. And the prices of books, even back then, were maybe four euros. So I'm pretty much trying to get all of them. Yeah, no, that's all right. You know how some people have their Pokemons? Well, I have my books. (laughs) I need to have them all. (laughs) Right on, right on. Um, And what do you do for work? I kind of already mentioned that. You work at a hostel. Yes. What are some things you might do here? I'm a manager, so as you can imagine, I need to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Babysitter as well. Babysitting. Referee. Is, yes. <laughs> a bit of schooling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I even have therapy with guests. You can never know. Yes, definitely. Uh, but pretty much we are all female staff, mm-hmm. really small staff, and we pretty much do everything. Kind of, well, there is certain hierarchy, but 
not really. Mm-hmm. We are pretty much trying to maintain the house, maintain the level of service as much as possible mm-hmm. on the level that we like it to be, which oh. is quite high. <laughs> you guys uh, definitely have the yeah the woman's touch. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so uh, I was asking, what do you do? Do you do anything else, like any volunteer programs or um, community involvement in any so, way? So um, currently, I'm. So anyway, so currently, I'm not doing any volunteering. Um, I was actually managing the hostel by myself this summer as cat, the main cat of the house. <laughs> Got a baby girl called Amina, mm-hmm. a wonderful new addition to our staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had my hands full <laughs> with schooling staff and guests. Mm-hmm. It's a um, 24-hour job pretty much, as oh, you can imagine, during the season. Yes, yes. But I used to volunteer in an organization called a Set of Open Center. Mm-hmm. They're mostly concentrated on LGBT human rights and women's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly what they're actually working on is change of legislation and uh, pretty much telling people to be good and, you know, just... Be a good be human asshole. being, yeah. Can I say that? Yeah, no, of course. You can say Amazing. whatever you want. Yeah. No, we're, we're, we're breaking down borders with this podcast. We're, we're revolutionary. I can teach you some Bosnian swears and you can piss oh, off people. Oh, you can do that for sure. That's even better. I don't think we've ever had it. You, you are the first uh, European on the podcast, oh, really? as far as I know. Well, True European. I'm honored. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so you mentioned that you're doing some um, community involvement work. Um, what else uh, have you done before for previous work and schooling? Well... Um, my, for my high school, um, I did gymnasium, which pretty much you don't get a calling. You just end up knowing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Then afterwards I started my law school. Did that for a couple of years. What kind of law? Um, actually there isn't such division in oh, our really? education system. So oh, you okay. finish high school. Yep. Then you immediately start law school. Mm-hmm. And you're actually getting knowledge in different fields. And mm-hmm. then for your master's, you can actually pick a certain direction, but you still don't have to do it. Okay. It's a bit complicated, but what can you do? <laughs> Education system is complicated. I have to study something else before law school. I've been talking a bit about that with mm-hmm. everyone coming overseas, that they actually need to study something, and then they can apply for law school. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. And is schooling here free or It depends. Cheaper? It's definitely cheaper from the States, but when you count what's the standard of living here, it's actually not that cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Nelson and Travis if, up their antics again. <laughs> if you're um, on a budget, as we call it, meaning the state is financing one part of it, you're going to pay maybe like... 500 euros per year mm-hmm. and depending from uni and what you're actually studying the pricing will be a bit different again cheaper than states but compared to the standard of living it's definitely not something that's affordable to everyone if they're yeah. not on a budget 
What's frustrating for me, for my uni specifically, is that we don't really get a lot of practice. It's all just very dry in books. So, example, the first time I wrote a contract was actually my own contract for Settle Open Center. They just mm -hmm. told me, like, hey, draft your contract for being here. <laughs> so, it was a good experience. I would say most of the knowledge that I've gained um, actually came from my NGO. And how old were you at the time? Uh, oh, God, that's a good question. <laughs> um, Think way back. <laughs> I think 21, Okay. I'd say, 22. Okay. Maybe. A lot, of, a lot of responsibilities for your own 20 year, a 20, early 20-year-old. 20 yeah. For me, working for a setup and center was a bit, let's call it life-changing. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You kind of get schooled. <laughs> uh, pretty much, you think you know of things, then you start working, then you start investigating. And then you go through a phase, oh, humanity sucks. Yep. When you start actually yes. learning about everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're good people trying to make a difference, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I've definitely uh, had that um, conflict with future, thinking of a, of a future conflict yeah. where I wanted to join, um, or I kind of still do, um, a, a policing force. You know, I, I like helping people out. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would like to represent my country in all kinds of different ways. Um, so sometimes you're helping someone out, but at the same time, sometimes you're just around bad guys all day and it kind of takes, or bad things all day or bad people all day and it just really wears you down. Yeah. yeah. It drains. Mm -hmm. Or very negative coworkers or whatever. So yeah. It be, it, it's, I'm sure it's a very hard job as well. Um, at a few instances, yes, but it's definitely worth it. It has its ups and downs. Um, but to sum it up, I do believe it was a great experience, and I'm very grateful for being able to have something like that. Mm -hmm. um, what is it like to work in a hostel? Ooh, another difficult one. <laughs> this is the point where I should say, this is great, I'm so happy <laughs> to work here, I mean people all over the world. Well, no. <laughs> um, it's always... Uh, like a mean joke, everyone thinks what I'm actually doing is just sitting around and chatting with guests. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but what you actually <laughs> not like right now at all. <laughs> most of the times is paperwork, mm -hmm. very exciting stuff. Paperwork, very, very exciting schedules. Yes, bed making. Yep. Also very exciting. Mm -hmm. We are a small hostel, so everyone pitches in yeah. every single duty that we have. It doesn't really make sense for us to have a staff that's going to have like divisions mm -hmm. of duties like that. Because there's really no need to have more than one person per shift. But pretty much, uh, you kind of get a bit of everything. Sometimes I like to say it's like traveling without actually traveling. You meet all sorts of people. You hear all sorts of stories. And you really don't need to like all of them, but you will hear them either way because mm -hmm. you're kind of obliged to listen to them. <laughs> yeah. Kat, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but overall, for me, actually, the biggest advantage of this work was breaking out of my shell. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seemed like that right now, but I was actually a very, very shy human being. And talking with strangers was a 
difficult. Um, sorry to interrupt, when did you start working here? Around two years ago. Okay, actually. okay. So I'm just yeah. trying to put it in line because like when I was younger I was a little bit more shy as well. Not completely yeah. because I've always been a social person, but there are things you're, you're kind of a little bit reserved about. So. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I'm a social person but I don't work great in big groups and mm -hmm. people that I don't actually know. If you mm -hmm. ask my friends, they're going to tell I'm a very social human being, but mm -hmm. that's because I talk with them. And, that's and you great. know them, you're comfortable with them. Exactly. You work that relationship exactly. over time, of course. And that's something I actually noticed with everyone who works in a hostel. It's even my friends who started working in a hostel. So all of them kind of broke their patterns of behavior, mm -hmm. got more relaxed. And for most of them, they actually started thinking, what is it they can actually do with their lives? As uh, one thing that actually most of the locals around here don't think is traveling, mm -hmm. not backpacking. Mm -hmm. They're gonna go for a holiday, but most of them aren't really actively thinking of doing something with backpacking. And most of them are thinking it's not something they can afford. Mm -hmm. But then they start meeting people and they start realizing it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. You can do it very cheaply. Oh, you can make it work There's definitely. There's a bunch of different ways of doing it. Actually, my sister went away for, I think, a year and a half um, after working in a hostel when she actually realized it's actually a lot easier than people portray here it is. Mm -hmm. But yes, you kind of do a bit of everything. Sometimes you're a therapist. Sometimes you're just a friend. And sometimes you actually need to act like a teacher and send a bad kid in the <laughs> Because they smoked after 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. in the house or something like and, that. And um, have you done any backpacking before? I haven't done backpacking per se. I did traveling, but I never backpacked for like months or something like mm -hmm. that. I actually never had an opportunity to just quit my job, mm -hmm. leave my cats, and pack my bags. Um, so what I think I did was sort of in short bursts. Mm -hmm. It would be like three, three weeks, but that's it. Never longer than that. Okay. Which is a shame. Yeah, I had a bit of a lull uh, from my last time I went backpacking. I'm just so happy to be backpacking again. Uh, it's definitely a real treat. And I was going to say, too, Kat's daughter growing up in a hostel is going to be oh, I unbelievable. I can't wait to meet that kid and talk <laughs> with her when she's 15. So worldly. It's going to be crazy. Having... An American mom that grew up actually on a completely different continent. I'm yeah. sure they know, but her parents are missionaries and they do oh, a lot of work that, no. in, um, in rural Africa. Mm -hmm. And her dad is a musician, Saraya. Oh, okay. Very, very happy he could die. So that kid's going to be... He's a very cheery guy. Like It's oh, like yeah. it's like oh, they're yeah. a perfect couple there. Oh, yeah. They're both... Like, he was just like, oh, hi, how's it going? And like, I was like... like he, it was a way that he said it to me where it seemed like we knew each other. So I was yeah. kind of taken back. I'm like, you haven't met me yet. And it was very That's amusing. Cool. What's up, Miles? Hi, Miles here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's, he's just a really charming guy and very, very funny and friendly. And yeah, again, again perfect uh, mirror image of Cat. Exactly. And... Uh... One thing that he does, that's actually a wonderful representation of this country. Uh, his band, the Manhana, is actually doing jazz standards and covers of traditional songs for this region called mm -hmm. Sadalinka. Okay. And they're actually touring worldwide, so maybe, just maybe, you're going to have a chance to see them back. That would be unbelievable. Yeah, no, after we exchange the information as well, just get me through the hostel because I'll send you guys the links for the 
the podcast later on. And then, and I yeah, did have you, a list of Canadian bands. Yes, no, I made a good list of Canadian bands, a few American, and then a TV show as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll just jump into it. Uh, what are some of your favorite TV shows? Ooh, difficult one. <laughs> You're making me choose, man. Oh. This is a lot of pressure. Oh, just, just names and off the top of your head that have been more, uh, been more special in the last uh, year or so. Uh, does it have to be a year? No, oh, whatever. Can be a bit older? Sure. Um, I watched Black Mirror when it was actually first published. Oh, yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> that was something else. Yeah, we just discovered this in North America just like a, about a year ago or something. Really? Yeah, like everyone goes off of Netflix. Yeah. No one really finds it on TV because it is a British show, I believe. Yes, yeah. ABC made it. Yeah, so... Uh, in in North America, well, Canada at least, a lot of people are going away from TV to mm. Netflix or um, Android boxes and stuff, and then that's how they find their stuff is talking to yeah. their friends on the internet, hearing through the rumor mill, um, you know what's the what's the new TV show to watch and binge watch <laughs> all the episodes in one night. And Black Mirror is huge, so. Well, if you want something else, I mean, this is if you like British humor, Black Hatter. Is oh yeah, I know. I've known, I grew up with an English friend, so yes. Yeah, Black Adder, Faulty Towers. I Monty love Python's Monty Python. Flying Circus. That's something I grew up on. I yeah. have no idea why my parents let me watch that. So we young, had the movies, but they did. And <coughs> for something newer and something that I really enjoy, again, British humor is not everyone's cup of tea. It crowd. Yes, yes, I know that one as well. Um, have you seen um, what is it called now? The Inbetweeners. Yes, I did. Oh my god. I love that show. Perfect representation of high school. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no sugar coating and like, yeah. oh, yeah, high school. It's like, no, this is what <laughs> high school was like. Awkward every day. Yes. <laughs> Man, I was freaking awkward in high school. Oh, I was wasn't? one of those people who actually liked to study. Yeah. 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 But uh, for some reason, um, I still, well, the high school that I actually went to was sort of like a bit an elite high school, mm-hmm. although it was a public school. Okay, it was public. I was going to ask. Yeah, no, no, I would never go to private <laughs> high school. You're not supposed to pay for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only reason why I actually got enrolled there, because it was the closest one to my house. So it was a bit of a shock for me, realizing what I got myself into. Mm-hmm. And since I was one of those kids who actually enjoyed studying I wasn't one of the popular kids you know mm-hmm. yep. and plus it didn't really help me that was really into anime still am oh yeah still am <laughs> I'm proud of it just very different yeah yeah no oh, that's fine I'm sure you're well that's the thing though is that you see the people in high school and yeah you make fun of them because they're different and unique or whatever in some way and they're not following the typical norm um I don't know I, I haven't I've not really kept up with my former high school classmates, not too many of them, maybe four of them or so, in a, gra- in a graduating me. class of 35. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, I just find the ones that might have been weird or unique are probably living a pretty happy life right now, yeah. instead of trying to still be fake. I don't know, mm-hmm. that's just me. Sorry if I've offended anybody who's been popular in high school. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> Pardon me. Again, oh, we're through clear. Um, and where, goes with the name of the podcast. Yes, yes. exactly. Well, it's, it's bound to happen. Um, where have you traveled? Have you traveled, traveled outside of Europe? Sadly, still not outside of the Europe. But I'm hoping it's going to happen. 
I was actually supposed to make a trip to States this year. Oh, yeah? But it didn't work out for me in the end. I actually, a um, few of my very good friends live in States. Mm-hmm. And we were joking that I'm going to be the only person in the world that's going to go to the States specifically for Shoan in Washington State, which has like maybe 700 people living there. Yeah. And Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Those are the two places that I want to see. Boise is a beautiful place. I haven't been there yet, but <clears throat> in firefighting, we actually have an agreement with the state of Idaho. <laughs> and we're allowed to go. If they, if they need us, we can go and help them fight fire. <laughs> and I've had a few friends that have gone and they say it's nothing but... Uh, gorgeous there when they're not surrounded by fire so yeah it seems like a really cool city and you know not many people are like i thought the place to go in the states it's always like new york vegas los angeles no, miami I'm not interested. so yeah no no that's me too it's just like whenever i come to europe it's like oh yeah so you've gone to paris and rome and no, all these places no 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 it's like i would i'm the kind of guy that would be like all right yeah i'll take the train as i'm and as i'm going through paris i'll just have a quick layover and just Stop and take a picture of the Eiffel Tower, take a picture of Arc de Triomphe on my way. From um, what I've heard from my friends, uh, for France, the great way of actually exploring it is doing something like Helpex mm-hmm. and actually working on the farms, which will I've give heard you of that. an opportunity to actually explore the nature, explore of that wonderful, wonderful food, mm-hmm. and actually seeing what France is all about mm-hmm. and not actually taking a selfie in front of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I want to go to Normandy, like a lot of uh, history for uh, Canadians there, as well as like on near the border of Belgium and France, and then um, definitely in the south, like close to like Italy and Switzerland. That's another nice place. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so apologies for the awkward pauses here. Um, Adina's doing her job, so whenever somebody comes in, I usually just hit pause. So then there's, it could be a long time, so then we're trying to think of what we just said and then what we had on our list of uh, things, things to, say. to say. Well, yeah. my <laughs> we lose it. actually went completely blank, mm-hmm. so I can't really help you. <laughs> well, the main topic was where have you traveled, so... Um, I mostly visited Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I would like, of course, to go outside of Europe, but I... S- Still don't, not really sure how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, as currently, of well, most of my very good friends don't live here anymore, or never did. Mm-hmm. So pretty much my idea of traveling now is less about the places and more about the people. Mm-hmm. And you have family outside of Bosnia Herzegovina, correct? Yes, I do. Uh, some of them live in Europe and Germany, Austria, surrounding countries of course. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them actually live abroad in Australia. I actually remember that I have relatives in states, but I'm not really close to any of them, so it would be an awkward, hey, I'm your blood relative, host me. Yeah, we did that before. Give I, I did that. Give me a visa. <laughs> oh, it wasn't I so much a visa. <laughs> no, for a visiting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Example for states, I do need a visa and mm-hmm. I need multiple um, Oh letters of invitation. Yes, I would imagine so. Um, yeah, the United States is funny that Finally way. Finally, now Yugoslavia didn't need uh, a visa for states. We were one of the countries that pretty much didn't need a visa for any country. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, but, but funny story, when I went to go visit some of my relatives in the Czech Republic, um, I didn't really know the other side of the family, the, the, the Czech family, and 
my cousin Yana got a hold of me via Facebook and it's like, hey, I think we're related. I'm looking at the last name Pudik, Pudikova. No, that's not Chalupa or Halupova. You know? <laughs> so uh, further investigations for my grandmother and it's like, yeah, well, my dad's cousin married a Pudik, Frantisic Pudik, and then these would be their children. So I'm like, <laughs> shot in the dark, like, how about that? Um, in Austria, like one week away from going to the Czech Republic mm-hmm. to go visit some people, and then this happens. So I'm like, yeah, you guys want to meet up and like have a beer or coffee? And they're like, oh, you can stay with us. And I'm like, perfect. <laughs> this is awesome. This is everything so you're I wanted. Suggesting I should use Facebook to stalk people with the same last name. Quite possibly. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it would narrow it down not too much. Is your last name quite popular? No. <laughs> no? Neither is Chalupa, really, especially in the Czech. Well, Czech is quite popular, but if you're looking for people in Canada, it yeah. kind of narrows it down, especially if you know where I'll, you know where the family is, so Alberta or something like that. Yeah. You can kind of cut it down there pretty easily. But who knows? Or just talk to your parents or whatever, <laughs> and then they should be able to help. Um, tell me a little bit about Bosnia-Herzegovina as a, a, a country, a culture, um, just a brief little summary of it where we're not going too much complication as we will explain further uh, later on this interview. Hmm. Well, you've spent here a couple of days, so as you can imagine, Bosnia-Herzegovina is uh, not a place that can be summed up in a few sentences. Um, A lot of different good and bad things happened in our history in the past few centuries and some of the bad ones actually happened well relatively recently mm-hmm. um, but I would say if I do need to sum up Boston years ago in a few sentences is good people good sense of humor even better food and absolutely stunning nature everywhere where you go yeah no it's actually reminded me quite a lot of um, the Rocky Mountains and um, British Columbia quite a lot, especially when you get in the mountains and hills. And it doesn't take too long to get outside the city at all. No. No, there's actually, um, around Saturday, there's quite a few mountains. And even if you don't have a car, it's very easy to get there and mm-hmm. just go for a really nice hike. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the things I'm really happy about is that uh, sustainable tourism is actually becoming a real thing here. And actually, ecotourism. Mm-hmm. So people are kind of turning their faces towards nature, local products, and just realizing that our touristic offer doesn't have to include, oh, look at this building, look at this building, here's some chapati. And by (laughs) the chapati are amazing, but we do have more to offer than that. Yes, of course, of course. Um, Yeah, (laughs) one thing, all I've really learned about... um, Bosnia-Herzegovina and Yugoslavia at the time was the war history. Yeah. Um, very, very depressing things. But when you come here, people people in the street and people you meet aren't really so much hung up on that. They're not, you know, still, they don't have it. That's not the first thing to start talking about. Yeah. You know, like they if you ask about it and you, it. yeah, yeah, of course. And there's but, a good chance someone's going to be a bit standoffish about it. Not because course. they don't want to talk about it. It's just... 20 years has passed, or actually, but the thing is that uh, locals are getting a bit tired of talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's just 
came to the point when most of us just want to tell the people, guys, we have more to offer. We're mm -hmm. not just a country that was in a war. Mm -hmm. 20 years has passed. Don't ask us where are the bomb buildings. Mm -hmm. 20 years. Yeah. Things have been built. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. no, and it's, it's a good thing going up to the bomb sled track. So I would say that's pretty much the reason why people are kind of, you know, can get a bit standoffish when you ask them about that. But it's definitely part of our history. Something that you can't really avoid, you shouldn't avoid, and you shouldn't forget. All of us should remember our history, mm -hmm. good and the bad. Um, but still, I'm very happy to see that some things, the way some things developed, like you just mentioned Bobsley and yeah. I actually cut you off there. Yeah. Um, one of the amazing things that happened with that place is, uh, so it was used during Olympic Games in 84. Just so everyone has a perspective yes, on how old it, it is. For Canada, it was uh, the Olympic Games before Calgary. So yeah. you guys passed the torch to us after your games. So that's kind of neat. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, during the war, sadly, uh, Boxy Track had a bit of a different history. It was pretty much used as a sniper point. Mm -hmm. And what's happening nowadays that's just being reclaimed by a bunch of young adults, it's covered with street art. Very beautiful and, and amazing. And it's just really good to see young people reclaiming their history and actually doing something with it instead of being hung up on everything that happened. Well, that's the thing is that I was going to say is um, you have things that remind you of the past and you don't want to, you don't want to forget that. You don't want to get, because you know, you forget it, maybe it'll happen again. Yes. And you always want to have that memory of it. But at the same time, it's even better if you can make it something new. Exactly. Okay, the bobsled track. Okay, Olympics. That was great. Beautiful time for the country. Then, Let's war. Move on. And then the war. Now, it's art. It's a uh, racetrack as well for uh, yes, mountain bikers, longboarders. team. Like, bobsled team actually showed up two years ago and they had their practice there. And uh, the rumor has it that's actually going to be renovated. Mm -hmm. So, the teams who are competing for Olympics... Uh, we'll use it for training. Mm -hmm. That would be the idea of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, for your European. Yeah, no, it's it's great to take something that was sad, but put it a purpose to it and change the image of it with still remembering. So I, I find that you guys are very adaptable. Yes, we are. <laughs> well, to be honest, that's one of the things that you need to be. <clears throat> I mean, uh, that's something that I always find myself explaining to people who actually haven't lived the history that I did. It's the life moves on. So everyone has this idea that uh, your life is going to be on hold just because some bad things are happening everywhere around you. But it doesn't. Mm -hmm. like, my sister went to school and war. I started going to my primary school, I think, in 95 and 96, which was still the war years. When there was power, we watched cartoons, Dexter's Laboratory, and stuff <laughs> like that. Of course. Because we actually, for some reason, had access to cartoon networks. We still don't know how. Mm -hmm. When there was snow, I would just take the sleighs and go down the hill with my yeah. sister. You know, yeah. There were, of course, periods when you couldn't do that because they were bombing too much of it. Mm -hmm. Every time there would be a quiet period, we would just go for it. I would say that people and kids were probably more fearless than, than they actually are now. Yeah. You kind of learn how to live in circumstances that are not that 
common, I guess. You mm-hmm. just adapt, and you realize life must move on. There is no other way. Well, it's gonna be really tough for a child as well. Like you mentioned, watching cartoons and um, still joining those activities. It's very nice to see that you're able to still hold on to that childhood innocence and that childhood mentality, I but still at the same this time. This is not everyone's story. I do have to say that. Some people had it worse <clears> than others. But my parents made sure to do everything that's humanly possible to give me a great job. Mm-hmm. And, it, and yeah, it's, actually, it's harder for some than yes. others. Yeah. And to actually uh, give me an opportunity to be a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's important. I was just saying that for yourself and maybe your, and your, your sister and maybe some friends too. Um, because a lot of times in the, in the spoils of war, um, there are those casualties where they didn't actually die, but they, exactly. they had to grow up a lot quicker. Yes. You know, you're seeing terrible things that might have happened to your family or friends or your home. You're always moving. You know, it's, it's, it's a point that... Uh, it's a different it, it, way of growing up in any case. Mm-hmm. Um, but this... In the end, I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't experience everything that I experienced. And I kind of like to think that I grew up to be a decent human being. I would say so, as far as I've known you for the last three days. <laughs> You're around good people. You, uh, you are a positive person, so that's always a very welcoming thing to have when you come from a, uh, a long drive and you're tired and and someone just asks you, do you want to eat? Have food? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you come back from a day of walking around and you're so tired. It's like, oh, I got to make supper. And then, oh, wouldn't you know it? Here's some beautiful uh, soup with, uh, that just has the right amount of garlic in it. <laughs> well, um, just to sum up the conversation about childhood, um, what I actually really do believe is um, every time someone would ask me, Oh, how did you guys manage to actually go through all of this and actually stay sane? Why are you not bitter and everything? It's because uh, in the end of the day, all of us remember how to laugh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do believe my very, very dark sense of humor actually is coming from everything that I experienced. But that's definitely true. If someone asks us, how did you survive? I mean more than just actually having a pulse mm-hmm. it's laughing. i remember seeing uh, yesterday travis and myself we went to um the exhibition um and saw the it was, it was, i forget what the title of it was but it was the short film and it was liam neeson opening mm-hmm. it up and then i think bono possibly you too as well had mm-hmm. a part producing it and they're talking about the dark humor and you yeah. still have to laugh because it keeps you sane you know, it, exactly. it's his way to bond and just like push those terrible times to the side or those terrible events of that day. And this is like some of the jokes they're saying. And it's like, oh, wow, okay. But who am I to tell them they shouldn't be making that joke because that's helping them get through it? So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's something else. Cause, you know, when I was younger, I, I heard about it. Um, when I got older, I knew people that served over here. Mm-hmm. Um, part of um, the peacekeeping forces, uh, part of the Canadian military as well, you know, when NATO came over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I heard about that too, but it's a little bit different when you actually see it in the perspective yeah. of the locals. And you actually visit and you see everything. Exactly, exactly. Because it is, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing to say, it's the forgotten genocide. 
it people is. don't, you know, people more so think about um, possibly Armenia, um, World War Two, Rwanda, yeah. but this was one that a lot of people were like, oh, oh yeah, right, yeah, which is terrible. Which is actually really scary because uh, we all like to think Europe is a crib of civilization and all good good things and fine things in life, and then uh, you have some terrible, terrible events that can happen. 20 years ago mm-hmm. and no one actually wants to you know talk about it or remember it which i guess is also history being itself mm-hmm. this happens every single time it's kind of like, oh it's just move on yeah no you want to you want to remember it but not <coughs> make it part of your life every day of course um but you were able to when you were a kid you were still able to make it to school pretty much yeah. every day um yeah, yeah. How old were I you? Went, I went to school regularly. Uh, for my sister, it was a bit different when she started school. Mm-hmm. There was still a lot of bond because there were certain days she couldn't go to school because of it. Mm-hmm. Or um, they would have their classes in the basement mm-hmm. as they couldn't be in actual classrooms. Yes. Um, how old were you when the war, the, the siege officially ended? Seven, I think. It's uh, official is a bit of a strange word because even though it kind of ended in '96, you could feel the aftermath of it. Oh, I'm sure tensions were still were still pretty high. Yeah, you could feel aftermath of it for two, three years for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't mean in the sense of uh, bombing or anything like that, but you know. All the bad things that were can leave behind. Mm-hmm. Example, in my first or and second grade of primary school, um, I actually remember this poster. We had a poster behind us dedicated to the mines, what not to touch, because they would be they can be an explosive hidden in the pen. Mm-hmm. Don't touch toys that are on the street because there could be a mine hidden in mm-hmm. them. Don't go into abandoned houses and mm-hmm. just learning us how to recognize something like that. Mm-hmm. So, when you're seven, six, and that's yeah. part of your education, it's very obvious that things really Yeah, the typical thing when you're a big. kid, you know, look both ways before crossing the road so you don't get hit by a car. In this yeah. sense, you know, look both ways because you could be shot kind of thing. Um, yeah. Just similar, but very different to, you know, like I remember as a kid, it's like, don't touch this because it might get electrocuted and don't play with matches because you might start a forest fire. And the things that you see in the, like, some of the videos and documentaries um, from the 90s for um, Yugoslavia, uh, it's definitely different. You know? yeah. yeah. And we were even, um, as you can imagine, it took uh, quite a bit of time to get some basic things in order, like let's say central heating system. Mm-hmm. So I remember during the winter period, um, all the kids and all their parents would show up in school uh, with actually sort of like uh, boxes of wood, because yep. we had a fireplace, yep. and then we would just start the fire and keep the class warm. Mm-hmm. I guess that's also truly typical thing. What did your parents do for work? Well, um, my mom decided she's gonna stay with us um when we were kids Mm -hmm. 
So she was stay at home mom or whatever the parent you want. My mom was as well, yeah. Or you can just say Gabriel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the boss. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then the war started and of course that uh, changed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. For things like that, that was like that. Um, my dad actually works with wood. My oh, dad is a furniture designer. Cool. And he makes furniture. And he knows exactly there is to know about furniture. <laughs> uh, but during the war, can't remember the name of the company where he used to work. Then he stopped working there because of the war because they had to close down the factory. Um, he didn't want to join army, didn't believe in violence, mm-hmm. but he had to join the police task, so he was a police officer for a good portion of the war. Oh, that was, he had to? Yes. Okay, he had to do something to serve, in yes, that sense? Yes, he had okay. to do something to serve. And what would he have to do on, on a daily basis kind of thing, like a typical day? Um, to be honest, I don't know, because my dad doesn't really like talking about it. That's fair, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people that don't. And uh, then he was, well, forced is the only word I can really use because he didn't really want to do it, but he was pretty much forced to join the army okay. when things got really bad and, and they needed uh, all the manpower they could get. Mm-hmm. And that would have been 92, 93? 93. And afterwards he resumed with his wood-making movies. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good to go back to something like that. Um, and apparently, nowadays, he got very interested in wood carving. Oh, cool. So, yeah, by this time, I'm going to get a lot of carved mirrors and more furniture. <laughs> um, one of my friends, actually, he was on the same crew as me for firefighting. He's in love with wood and likes to do woodworking of all sorts. Uh, he's, he's a very old soul. Like, so we're on a, we'd be waiting for a fire in the middle of nowhere and him and I would pull out our harmonicas and try to like learn from each other a little bit, and then, um, or he'd just grab the his little hatchet, start chopping at the wood, start yeah. whittling, and then you would be like, "Oh, where's Rowan?" It's like, "Well, that's a pile of wood. There's another one this way. <laughs> <laughs> we shall follow." Yeah, my dad's pretty much the same way. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's pretty interesting. I, I imagine that if Rowan ever did come, I'd have to put him the direction, yeah. learn a little bit, and also you have different uh, trees here, so that's always fun. Um, what, um, what was high school like, um, after, or, and I guess you were so young when, um, I was in primary school. The war yeah. did end. Um, how, how was like junior high school, high school? Was there kind of like a segregation feeling between, uh, Muslims, Croats, mm, or Bosniaks, I should say, not, Croats? Not for me. No. Well, you seem like a very easy person to. Um, no, no. I mean, like for my school, that wasn't. Thing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we didn't have segregation of any kind. We didn't, my sister didn't have it. Mm-hmm. That wasn't something that's uh, usual for Sarajevo. Mm-hmm. It did happen in other cities. Yes. I remember uh, the stories my cousin told me when she was going to primary school. She's um, two years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually had different shifts um, on the north of the country. For uh, Serbian kids mm-hmm. and Bosnian kids. Just to keep them away. Kids didn't really have a problem. Have, someone else had a problem. 
Yeah. It just, kids were mostly inconvenient by it because that meant their playtime is short. Like, yeah. Yeah, recess was the time to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and there are, um, there's actually a few schools that are still doing that. Oh, really? Yeah. We call it two schools under one roof. If you Google that in Bosnia, you'll find out everything about it. Um, sadly, things like that are still happening, mostly because of the politics and uh, people who still have these strong national ideas, while most of the kids, 99.9% of them, don't want that to happen. And there were even uh, protests, like high school kids were protesting about it. Good. Which is a wonderful and glorious thing to see. Bye-bye. Bye. Safe travels. <laughs> Come back soon. <laughs> Probably. Have fun in the club. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss. Tschüss. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna is leaving. She's a very nice person and has been staying at the hostel for quite some time. And stayed with us before. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, jeez. She's, she's uh, returning to Sarajevo every now and then. <laughs> That's all right. Hope to do the same. I've been having a great time here and I'd love to explore more of the countryside as well. Um, we've only really hit Mostar, Sarajevo, and then uh, we head to Trubinje today at, on our way to Dubrovnik. So. Oh, get some olive oil. Yeah? Oh, get some cheese and olive oil, man. What, in Trubinje or Dubrovnik? Trubinje. Okay, yeah. Trubinje. Okay. And if you find a nice farm, get wine. Ooh. Just pull in, eh? Ooh. White, white or red? Uh, both. Okay. Okay. Any, 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 just any farm. Any, just go eat. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll let the boys know that. Hopefully, we'll have the the time to do that. And then, you know, people are welcoming when they see our Daisy Sandero coming up up the drive. <laughs> <laughs> um, just leading uh, leading off of school. Okay. Um, about uh, segregation and everything. Uh, what were your parents listed as for religion and you? I know we talked about this before. I'm not saying that you are, but you were listed as... Panda. No. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. That was something that I kept writing. And every time I had to do a sign-up for uh, a semester on my uni, I would have to write in which nationality I am I, and I would just write Panda. And now we're on this subject. I guess I'll lead into it. Um, why would you put Panda? What was the, the big thing around that? Well, pretty much uh, a lot of people here are confused about nationality, ethnicity, and uh, religion. So a lot of times there's an equal sign between nationality and religion. So if someone say they are Serbian, that means to me they are Orthodox. If someone say they're Croats, that means they are... Uh, Catholics, if someone say they're Bosnians, well, how they write it everywhere, it's Bosniaks. I don't identify myself as a Bosnian, yes. I never did. I'm Bosnian and Herzegovian. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone says they're Bosniak, that must mean they're Muslims. Okay. Yeah. For me, that's a very, very frustrating fact. And uh, something I really can't understand how it happened, because in every high school, we have this wonderful, wonderful class called sociology, where you learn the basic terminology, and then you kind of realize those things are not the same thing, and at the same time, you keep 
see the same thing. I don't mean to be annoying by asking you this oh, thing. Okay. It's just it helps on by explaining to other people that might not be know that it is unique in a very frustrating way. <laughs> yes, we have um, so-called three nationalities, three main nationalities, which are um, Croats, Serbs, and Bosniaks. Um, then we have this wonderful category of others. Where everyone who's not a Bosnian Serb or a Croat falls into, better yet, who doesn't identify like that on any census. Mm -hmm. And yes, I am the others. <laughs> uh, it was more of a protest as well yes. to, to support these people because, from what I understand, um, if you are listed as the others, which is not the main three, you cannot you, become. You um, cannot be part of the politics in any sense, and mm -hmm. you can't be part of the government. Yes, which is very unfair. Um, that's something that's actually supposed to be changed. Um, so there was actually a lawsuit pressed against the state by um, two people, Sadich and Pinsi, mm -hmm. representatives of Roma people and Jewish people. Um, they made a joint lawsuit against the state as they fall into category of others and they can't actually be part of politics or part of government. Um, they used up all of the legal um, well, methods, I guess, they had available. Mm -hmm. So they ended up going to the European Court of Justice after approaching our highest court, uh, which failed to uh, resolve it, as uh, actually by constitution, they should be able to mm -hmm. run for any of course, the European High Court of Justice uh, actually made the decision that others need to be allowed to be part of every part of life of our country. Mm -hmm. But our state is actually still failing to implement the decision of the court mm -hmm. and it's actually causing a lot of troubles. We are actually candidates for joining European Union. Yes, we're still out of the European Union. Um, and one of the requirements is actually the decision. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen one day. Mm -hmm. You'll see. Yeah, hopefully sooner we later. are a wonderful country of compromise. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is always a fun fact I find. How many leaders do you have in this country politically? Three presidents. Mm -hmm. And then a lot other people. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we have three presidents, uh, one for each nationality, Serbian, Croatian, and Bosniak. And um, during their mandate, they're actually switching. So each one of them um, is uh, actually forming the duty of a president for a certain number of months, and two of the other presidents can put the veto on his decisions. That's a lot of fun. Yes. Political merry-go-round where nothing yes. can get done. I would say probably what's uh, stopping quick progress of this country is our ridiculously complicated um, political system, um, which pretty much should be similar to the Federative Union, something that you can see in uh, not Northern European countries, except it's completely dysfunctional around here. And um, because of the way 
our constitution has been formed, it's very difficult to actually sparkle a change without people getting upset or people trying to get advantage of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Politics is frustrating enough. This sounds like a, a nightmare in yes. a sense of trying to get progress going forward, equality, um, all that. And also being, I, I, I would imagine that Bosnia and Herzegovina is still quite um, a religious country where it could be very hard to um, well, push equality, LGBTQ rights. To be honest, uh, when you look at the census, um, well, I said, I did, this is not a conspiracy theory, I'm a conspiracy, but uh, when you look at the census, they say that, that there is 1% of atheists in the country and everyone else is a part of some form of mm -hmm. religion. I find that very difficult to believe because then it just might have happened, I know, for 1% of those people, which is not the case. Um, what's happening every year before elections is that politicians are playing on a card of religion and it's missed. I'm not really sure how many people are uh, such fanatics, you know, when it comes to it. It's just using it to get some political gain power. And playing on a card, oh, you are hungry and have a job and have social insurance. That's because of them. So yeah. it's just throwing responsibility on a third party mm -hmm. instead of looking what's the real problem, which I guess is uh, history again. What does a panda believe in? Is a panda atheist as well? Believe in bamboo? <laughs> yes, we believe in food for everyone. <laughs> and um. naps for everyone. <laughs> And rolling around on grass. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, some other funny things that people have uh, put down as a list of the others would be uh, Jedi, Jedi Knight. Um, what are some other ones too? Jedi. Yeah, yeah, Jedi, yeah, Jedi Knight. Um, I think Rastafarian was one. Yes, Rastafarian was one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, when I had the walking tour, she was telling a bunch, and it was very amusing. She, she was, I think she was a panda as well. So, that could There's be funny. A... And if you put Bosnia and Herzegovina, it, it doesn't count. That's that's one of the frustrating things. Which is even more ridiculous than yeah, uh, putting yourself you as a panda. A panda, but you can't put Bosnia and Herzegovina because it's not recognized. Which is what somebody typically would call someone from this country exactly. if they were, you know, yes. not not really up to date with the the political exactly presence. That's as I said, a country of a lot of conflicts. But yeah, that's actually been frustrating. I tried to do that a couple of times and they pretty much told the moon and then they that. And then I would just cross it over right panda and just give it in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love I love the uh the stubbornness. It's yeah. it's very fun and refreshing to see. Um it'd be very entertaining if people in Canada and the United States were a bit more like this with our politics. People who do get frustrated in Canada and we're a bit more vocal than um some other countries, but uh it, this is this is very unique and fun. <laughs> yeah, but actually, we do lack one thing here, and uh, that's education part of it. Mm -hmm. We don't really have a proper class either in primary school 
or in high school that could actually break apart this very, very complicated system for mm. kids. So they actually know what's happening. So what's happening that you have a lot of 18-year-old uh, kids, when I s specifically I'm saying 18 because that's when you can vote. Yep. Who um, are very stubborn, but at the same time have no idea how the country functions. No one is teaching them about the importance of actual voting. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're still lacking of, and that's where that stubbornness doesn't pay off that much for us. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't have a higher purpose, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, but that's something new. Yeah, no, exactly. Future project for my imaginary NGO. <laughs> uh, where do you see this country in 25 years? Hopefully not in European. Um, the reason why I'm saying that is because I truly don't believe that we would be this country. Really? I believe we would suffer the same fate as Greece. Um, for those who don't know, Greece joined the European Union and everything was sweet and wonderful for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Then their debt started collecting, like the amount of their debt is ridiculously high. Yes, we're aware, we're, we are aware of that up in Africa. Yeah, and they couldn't pay it off, so the country bankrupt. Yeah. And people started losing their jobs. Unemployment rate is ridiculously high. Um, just a lot of bad things happen. And the reason for that is mostly because you need to open up the market for certain uh, members of European Union, as much as my memory recalls me, but the favor is not always reciprocated. And there's always sort of like a ban on certain products that you can place. Mm -hmm. And I would assume that most of our products would be banned as we are mostly sustaining on agriculture. And I find it very difficult to believe our dairy products and meat would be able to find a place mm -hmm. on their market. Yeah. What I'm actually, well, this is very utopian, <laughs> but what I'm hoping to see is uh, my country using its full potential, meaning to actually start using their nature instead of um, destroying it. It's been sadly a trend in the past few years. And turning their faces more to uh, different forms of tourism and mainly making sustainable, responsible, small companies. Developing industry in a very responsible, eco-friendly way. As I said, very utopian. Mm -hmm. But what I assume that's actually going to happen will mostly be focused on tourism, I guess. Um, probably, sadly, one part of our nature, what we can say that is right now, layout of cities will drastically change as there's a lot of foreign investments happening. So, the same is actually happening in Serbia. Um, they're having this giant waterfront that the river. Oh, okay. um, so the same thing is going to happen here, a lot of foreign investments, but the layout of cities is going to be even more hectic than right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, what I'm actually mostly scared of that uh, this will turn to be to a place like Budapest or Prague or, you know, very touristic destinations. 
like that, just crowded with tourists that actually don't know what they're actually staring into and coming mm -hmm. there for fun and having a few beers mm -hmm. instead of genuinely appreciating the place. Yes. I'm still very, very happy that this is a greatly popular destination worldwide. Mm -hmm. Then people actually get to experience what this place is all about. And I'm really, really hoping that people are very grumpy at the place. So everyone come to Sarajevo, but not all at the same time. Uh, coordinate with each other, um, exactly, and don't over don't don't overcrowd the uh, the locals. But yes, yes, the orderly fashion of sharing it because we want tourism here, but not too much. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to turn into a, a Paris or a London or anything like that, where it's just you, you might I as believe, well walk instead yeah. of drive. I believe our Slavic mentality wants well that. Um, <laughs> on that note, uh, why do you love this city so much? People. People. Very simple. People. It's, um, there's a sense of freedom I get from this place that I really get from somewhere else. I love the hecticness of this place. Mm -hmm. As much as it's, um, Visually, not always the best thing to happen, but we don't really have an urbanistic development plan, as you probably noticed. <laughs> but I love that. There is such thing as too much order. I love the fact that people are still enjoying their cup of coffee for like an hour. So many cigarettes in yeah. this country. <laughs> Change the flag to uh, Chibapi and cigarettes and... Uh... Oh, actually, yeah. we have a lot of traditional vegetarian food, by the way. Oh, that, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. I would um, say what I appreciate is that we still are not rushing with our lives to get from point A to point B. We still stop I, I've, enjoy I've, things. I've heard of Bosnian time. Well, it's a sort of a myth at this point, because trust me, not all of us have time for Bosnian time. Mm -hmm. But we still know that a cup of coffee can just be a cup of coffee and you don't have to work and make it into a task. What I've been it's a, okay to enjoy life. What I've been a big fan of is <laughs> walking around uh, Old Town a Market or um, just around different shops and stuff. And you'll see people come to the pub or cafe or something like that. Yeah. And then you get up to leave and you're like, oh, I want to go to the store. And you walk over to the store and then you see somebody from the cafe follow you. And they're the shop owner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's how nice is that? You just hang out with your neighbor, and then you're like, oh, somebody's in my shop. I'll just go over there right now. Oh, what do you want? Do you want me to help you out? Are you looking to buy something? That's also one of the things <coughs> I've heard a lot from travelers, them being uh, taken away by kind of people. Because mm -hmm. uh, we can be grumpy, but we're actually really nice and friendly people. We just sometimes come off as very grumpy. We just got to butter you guys up. mentality. Warm you up. We talk, um, but we are always happy to help, and we will go out of our way to make people feel. Yeah, of course, and you know it, it also helps if that person is a little bit polite or yeah. um, kind as, a as well. Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, there's an American uh, volunteer here, and uh, Adina is making fun of her because she's saying sorry so much, yes. saying that she's a, a Canadian. And thank you. Hidden, hidden. <laughs> Disguised as an American. Yes, she's turning us all slowly. 
sense. <laughs> um, not the worst thing that happened. No, no, not terrible at all. Uh, why should people come visit this country and, and the city as well? Hmm. Well, the thing is, I mean, I know everyone has their ideas of what they want to see and what they actually want to do with their lives. But one thing that I believe it's most Everything that you need to know about this region is probably here. And um, for Bosnia Herzegovina, we are actually mostly a Muslim country. And I remember when my friends from States were visiting, their parents were freaking out. <laughs> and do you know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> what? No, really? Nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. No way. Right? <laughs> and just, even if you just read about this part of the world, you will most likely have a lot of stereotypes and judgmental thoughts in your head. And I always, always enjoy seeing that little box in your head shattered. Mm -hmm. Which is all the point of traveling, isn't it? Yeah. It's not about making photos from Instagram. It's a real, it's, it's well, that's that at least maybe that will help somebody uh, get out of their bubble. Yeah. Like, hey, it actually looks really nice. Maybe I should go too. But that definitely isn't the As focal point see, of traveling. And probably here, I'm a avid user of social media. Social media. Yeah. No, I, I gotta say too. Like, I had a different vision of coming to Bosnia, and that was very different to what this yeah. is. People are very warm, friendly. Um, the first night here, we went to that one bar. I forget the name of it. Kino Bosnia. Yes, and that was something else. The owner, um, the the older woman there. She Santa. she does not speak any English, but she came over and she was laughing with us and laughing at things and pointing and making gestures and it was very funny and she even got us a round of beers, and that was it's just like what a first night you know yeah. uh, something else, and I truly believe that traveling is probably one of the greatest educations you can receive. Exactly. Um, talking to locals, becoming a worldly person. Um, and yeah. to repeat what I said before. Knowledge should be free. In this case, you do need to pay for exactly. all your tickets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you will learn a lot from talking with different people and actually realizing that there is more to the world than your little corner. Not saying that Canada is a small corner. Well, we're pretty small. <laughs> hey, have you seen my country? We <laughs> want a dot on the map. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um... We'll start uh, moving on to yourself. Uh, ooh, some of your, yeah, some of your favorite music or some bands. Oh man, that got me. What was it? Uh, you were playing it the other day. I, I like never heard them before, but they're great. Uh, the Fleet Foxes. Yes, Fleet Foxes. Yeah, that's something yes. else. Yes, he actually doesn't know who Fleet Foxes are, and I'm hoping <sighs> the listeners actually know. I've already added it to my YouTube list. No. Great. <laughs> uh, ooh, that's a very good. Um, my music taste is a bit hectic, yeah. and it actually... As for a panda, I imagine panda would have a very hectic music collection. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Man, that's an extremely difficult question. <laughs> it's like asking me which one of my cats is my favorite. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's like when people ask me my favorite beers and stuff. But um, what's some of your uh, favorite Bosnian bands? I don't actually listen to a lot of Yugoslavian, ex-Yugoslavian Norwegian bands. I do listen to a lot of fun from this region. Okay. See if you need some fun um but something yeah i like to collect vinyl so instead of pointing out the single band one of my hobbies if we can call it a hobby is collecting vinyls that were published by yukotun which uh, was an old record from this period cool so i have my bob dylan on a vinyl with slavery <laughs> that's something else and the David Bowie record I've mentioned, you got There you go. What a first one to have. Yeah. <laughs> so do you uh, hit up the the, uh, the antique Flea shops? Markets, Flea antique markets, shops. Yeah. We have our version of eBay, mm-hmm. which is I I think more random than eBay. There's a lot of random stuff. Mm. And so Keeps you can up actually. The country. Yes. <laughs> um. So you can actually find very good offer of finals there mm-hmm. but if I do have I can't really point out my favorite band but I can tell you what my favorite band this morning was yeah well, that's <laughs> fine too the crawlers I've heard crawlers. it all crawlers yeah. oh, okay yeah. um tell me about your cats you have two? Oh yes I have two rescue cats very spoiled <laughs> Totoro and Virginia Woolf uh, Totoro, that's a reference to an anime character, correct? Yes, yes. from Hayao Miyazaki, mm-hmm. my neighbor Totoro. Uh, <laughs> he lives up to his name. He's fat, he doesn't care about anything, and he is so freaking cute that he can get away with everything. Virginia Woolf, well, she's a writer. If you don't know who she is, you should. Um, she actually uh, died by suicide. She drowned herself in a lake. Virginia Woolf has a thing for water. She almost drowned herself in the, the toilet. The cat, the cat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Not the author. Uh, in, in your house. <laughs> yes. Um, Virginia Woolf has a thing for water, the cat. And she almost drowned herself in the toilet before actually getting the name. So we started jokingly saying she's our Virginia Woolf. And kind of sticked. She even responds to Virginia. She's a very, very well-behaved princess kind of cat that's just as a princess should be yeah yeah (laughs) adopt and buy there you go yeah yeah in my free time actually when you ask me what i do for my free time i find homes for straight cats that's good yeah no i I was gonna ask if you did that as well we don't have a proper lcm here for animals Mm -hmm. um the shelters are in very very bad state Mm -hmm. but if there's a straight kid someone brings it to me I will. Oh. <laughs> I will turn into real mush. Yeah. Find it, good medical care, and mm-hmm. try to find it house. That's awesome. Um. I would have a dog. I'm scared um, of dogs. Really? Oh, that's yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. I'm a huge dog lover. My girlfriend has a cat and a dog, and once I moved in, I adopted the dog and a cat as well. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping to get some more dogs. I love dogs so much. My. Uh, Mom was strongly against this idea of me having pets because I live in a flat. Mm. And now that cat is uh, her favorite being. Mm. So when my mom comes to visit me, 
She's going for a hug, not to hug me. She's just walking towards cats, and she's hugging cats. I was going to say that. And then she says, oh, you brought some chicken for your cats. <laughs> and that's even joking. That Who's my cats. favorite little girl? Not me, no. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. So, um, as you mentioned before, there's tremendous food and drink in the city oh, and the country. So much, so much. Um, and I do this to you again. What are some of your favorites? Uh, traditional, non-traditional. Oh, I'll go traditional. Okay, for traditional. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma's kitchen and my mother's kitchen. Mm-hmm. That's as traditional as it can get. Yes. For, I think for every human being, yeah. pretty much. Um, hmm. So we have this stew made from okra. Mm-hmm. But we don't use fresh ones, we use dried ones. Mm-hmm. And then we cook them. First, you need to boil them. And uh, the stew itself is very simple. It needs to cook for a very long time, but pretty much includes a good cut of meat that needs to be revealed. Ridiculous amount of carrots and onions, tomatoes, and okra. And it needs to cook like for six hours or so. Um, I actually don't like how they prepare it instead of I prefer the version that they make on Okay. Same goes. We have actually a variation of dumplings. Mm-hmm. Again, one of my favorites. Again, um, I prefer the version uh, that I make in the country. My uh, parents actually are from Sarajevo. Mm-hmm. I was born in Sarajevo, but my parents are from the country. Okay. Um, so for those dumplings, man, <laughs> the dough is made with a lot of eggs. You can't go wrong with that. Nope. Uh, so it's um, finely uh, chopped meat, so you're not using minced meat, you want to chop it. A lot of garlic. If you think you're using too much garlic, you're probably good. <laughs> um, onions, a bit of carrot, and basic spicing. You fill it up in the dough and kind of close mm-hmm. these little triangles. Mm-hmm. Just cook them in salty water and serve them with a ridiculous amount. All of our food is mostly simple. Not too exciting when it comes to spices, at least for this region. Mm-hmm. You won't see us use the ginger a lot traditionally. That's a shame. Uh, but it's all very soulful. Mm. Yes. But I do like the spice too. When you uh, prepared the soup yesterday, I was very happy to see that's the peppers. Of, yes, and that's also from garlic. The garlic was very spicy. Oh, that's all right. Maybe I just use a lot. No, I think it was perfectly fine. I'm not sure about everyone else, but I love... Uh, I, I love, love garlic. That was such a good soup. Oh my god, thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the saying that you're uh, you're telling us about if you're a fool and you're at your grandma's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a pretty common thing here. You can't say no to your grandma. And they're constantly trying to give you more food. Traditionally, almost for some reason, you're huge lovers of pastry and bread. So everything is your food. And uh, when you can't eat anymore, your uh, grandma will just tell you to eat it without bread. <laughs> Even if what you're eating doesn't actually involve eating with bread. Yeah. So just tell you to eat it without bread. And there's another one. That's your strength. If you have a little bit left in your plate yeah. and you don't eat it, your grandma will tell you that's your strength and that's fine. Yes, I've heard that one before. Um, yeah, just having like ice cream and it's like, oh, I'm too full to eat this ice cream. Eat it with, don't eat it with bread. There's no bread with ice cream. Um, and... Uh, uh, 
I can give you more. Go ahead, finish that, or you get two more scoops. That was always a, a thing in my house as well. Um, and and for drink, uh, you, I know you're not a huge drinker, coffee. but coffee, coffee right off the bat, Bosnian style. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, Bosnian coffee is a cheat sheet for Turkish coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, Turkish coffee starts with cold water. Bosnian coffee starts with warm water, actually boiling water. Um, I do drink. Well, I tune down my coffee habits, but I do love my coffee. And if we need to go with traditional drink, um, I go with money behind Kekia. There's a guy living in a mountain here close to our waterfall called Stakovitz. It's one of the highest waterfalls action last years ago. He used to live in town, but bored of it, we do the mountain. Mm -hmm. That's his cabin. We can stop by on the way to the waterfall. Mm -hmm. He makes his own food. He makes his own drinks. Uh, one particular one that I absolutely adore. So when season, he goes in forest and picks the youngest plaintiffs he mm-hmm. can find. He buys honey from his neighbors who make honey. Then he brings that to Kekia, which is our particular remedy. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely wonderful. I Now we're going to get back to, to being a hostile manager. What are some of your pet peeves? Just so we can educate uh, people that might be going to other hostels. What are some do's and don'ts? Don't be rude to the staff. Even you if know. you're having a bad day, just push even past that. You, even if you have a bad day, don't be rude to the staff. Trust me, you think you have it bad, you're traveling. We're working. We have to be towards <laughs> you. Be respectful. You know? Mm-hmm. Just use your common sense. I know it's not that common anymore, but just try. It's uh, pretty much what we get annoyed with is uh, people leaving bathrooms in a complete another mess. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. <laughs> and it's just like small things. Just be and don't ask us to Google things for you. You have your friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> well, no, I'm sure it's a are, simple thing where it's just yeah, like, oh, where here. is that located? Okay, yeah. well. We are here, uh, sort of, I, actually, I hope that's a ever there. But we are here to represent the city. We are here pretty much as ambassadors of our country. Mm-hmm. And as you probably noticed, everyone here is very hospitable, and we all want you to have a great stay. Mm-hmm. All we ask in return is just. That's it. Yes. Just an example. If a staff member tells you you can't sit in the Make you pause your music. Yeah. Small things. Yeah. One of my favorite things is always to ask um, the locals or the people that work in the hostel what their favorite things are to do for. Eating, cheap eats, you know, favorite little shops or something like that. Yeah. We get the insider information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think simple Googling can, you know, be, can we be have, done too. No, we actually have no problem with that. Maps that we have, uh, we print them. Oh, did you? Okay. Yes, those are our oh. recommendations. We print them out every year and mm-hmm. we try to remember some new spots in town or maybe some of the spots that we had isn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So we have zero problems with that. but. Uh, when I say Googling is uh, 
What's the weather like today? Yes, <laughs> things like that. It's it's Bosnia. It could be anything. And if you're asking me about the bus schedule in Greece, and I'm living in Bosnia Herzegovina, Sarajevo, chances are that I can't help you, and I need to Google it out. So Interesting. Common sense, man. Yeah, no kidding. Not all that common. <laughs> um, what was I going to mention there? Yeah, no, you've been above and beyond helpful for locals. Um, she's yeah. she's pointed me in the right direction for brewers, try to get me to talk with them and everything. Sadly, um, uh, Nisha? Yes. That's a really good pronunciation. Good. Yeah, uh, she said it right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No, there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, sadly, he couldn't sit and <coughs> chat that long, and I wasn't able to meet up with him at the brewery. And then he was telling me that in a couple of days, there's going to be a homebrew thing. We're just running out of time to get back with some friends, so that's unfortunate. Uh, this definitely will not be my last time coming to Bosnia or Sarajevo. I will have a couple of you guys again. Bring your girlfriend along. You guys can talk about cats. Yeah. And she didn't die. We actually talked about bringing Maggie. Oh. We're really, we're really talking about it. I'll have to show you a picture afterwards. She is adorable. Um, she thinks she's a lap dog. It's quite, she's not huge, but she's a normal sized dog. Yeah, <laughs> like Labrador size. So. Pretty, pretty funny when she gets all cuddly, um, and she's got the longest tongue in the world. You think you're safe, like from me to you? I'm about three feet, uh, two feet away, and she could get you. <laughs> we call her part uh, anteater, or anteater. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that pretty much closes my um, interview with Adina, the Bosnia mastermind here. Um, yeah, thank you so much. You're, uh, you're probably one of the most informative guests I've had. Uh, most thank of the time, you I'm just for listening to my ranting. Most of the time, it's just me with my firefighter buddies, and I just try to get their backstory. And it's just a lot of fart jokes or something. Like that. <laughs> We're very immature, so thank you for being a mature guest. <clears throat> being an adult. Yes. Yeah. No kidding. Exactly. Uh, well, I do believe in adults. Oh yes, of course. Of course. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you gotta be a kid every. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, do you have any closing notes? You want to say anything to the people? Anything more? <laughs> oh, geez. Again, putting oh, those on the spot. You're on the hot plate. Yeah. Travel. See as much of the world that you can. And be kind to each other. And be kind to yourself. That's it. That's a good one. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. This is uh, an hour and twenty-two minutes about. So. Thank you guys very much. We'll try to get you some more podcasts coming up here. And good news, I found my phone in Prague, and it's going to meet me up with me in England so I can give you those two other um, podcasts that I thought were gone uh, forever. So, all right, talk to you guys later. Have a good one.